This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Tokoingua. My name is Mikaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture, and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm here today with artist Rosemary Peterson, who lives in Oakura, and we will, among other things, talk about Rosemary's latest colourful sculptures that featured in Art in the City 2022 in Tamaki, Makoro, Auckland. Welcome, Rosemary. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Lovely to have you. So you have um, three young children, and yet you've managed to study and work as a practising artist for the last 15 years exhibiting nationally in both sculpture and painting. Uh, I find that pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your art journey? Um, yeah, so I studied my fine arts degree at the Otago Polytechnic um, in Dunedin um, and I graduated from there in 2006 and shortly after that I I worked in a, a range of um, creative industries. I worked um, in TV and film, working in set production, uh, set design. and um, Exciting. Yeah, that was um, a pretty fun way to use my sculpture, sculptural um, skills um, and prop making and a little bit of costume work. Um, and I also yeah, started off on my uh, exhibition journey, creating work for uh, a lot of sculptural garden kind of pieces. Um, yeah, I really I enjoy working on a large scale, uh, those, those sculptural um, installations where you can engage with the work and walk through it. Um, mm. So, however, I knew that that wasn't exactly, um, you know, the demographic in New Zealand for... That kind of work to sell that kind of work is um, is a lot smaller than internationally. So I also had been working on um, painting and um, some design work, and yeah, I get quite bored of <laughs> the same thing. So even though I work in a lot of different media, um, the focus or the thing that I'm engaging in has always remained the same. Oh. The um, I'm always thinking about how I fit in the world, what is my identity, how I interact with the seen world and the unseen world. Um, and I really love the I, I love duality and opposites and light and dark. And so no matter what I'm working in, 
Um, I, yeah, I'm always focusing on those kinds of concepts. Mm, I love that about your work. I think um, there's so much going on. Just to let um, listeners uh, know, so I know that um, you won the Junction Sculpture Commission in 2019, didn't you? That's correct. To install a zero-waste vision sculpture pine forest. Did that happen? Yes, yes, Mm. that is, um, yep, that is outside the Junction near the recycling centre Mm -hmm. on um, Colson Road. Are there other places where people can see your sculptures here in New Plymouth? Um... That was my first public sculpture. Mm. Um, I currently have some work at the Collaboration Design Store um, on Devon Street, um, and there's an installation in the window there of my 3D-printed piwakawaka and lace shades. Um, other than that, um, I have some sculptural work that will be at my open studios over the Oakara Arts Trail weekend. Which is starting end of the month. That's, yes, the 29th and 30th of October. Um, I was trying to think uh, where people could go and find you um, if they hadn't seen your work. And, um, yeah, that was the only big sculpture I could think of. But when you talked about uh, making sculptures for gardens, is it uh, with a view to letting their nature interact with it as well? Or does it stand there as an artwork that, you know you're not letting vines climb up and what what kind of materials do you use um it's kind of a it's, it's a bit of a paradox because the work that i the large work that i had created um right from after my art school days um it was made from steel rod uh, and like large cathedral architectural type stuff um, and it interacted with the environment around it in that it kind of um, faded into the background or, you know, it became a part of the environment. It didn't stand out from it. So it interacted with the environment in that way, not in the way where vines were climbing up over it. Um, yeah, my graduation piece was a large kind of personal-sized cathedral, which was six meters by eight meters and five meters high and from a distance you barely even could see that it was there but it was when you walked up to it and walked into it that the space kind of opened up Mm. and it just it it created a different perspective on how you viewed your environment around you um it kind of when you were inside that space even though it was um just the framework so it's even though it's made of a solid material, it's very ethereal in its um, feel, I guess. And so when you go into it, it just opens up this space within a space, and it frames that that landscape that you can see on the other side of it. And it, for me anyway, I thought that it that it felt very personal and intimate. In a created like a sacred space in that environment. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. It actually reminds me of all the reasons why I, as a child, loved building small, um, intimate huts and mm. spaces and hideaway places, but also the looking out. You, you are turning it 
the whole concept of uh, standing outside and looking at the art there you say you can't hardly see it but when you go inside you mm. suddenly the world around you is different it sounds absolutely amazing yes and i was very fortunate that that piece was bought by a private owner and it's in wanaka at the moment ah i was wondering if it was possible to go and visit <laughs> but clearly not <laughs> well let us take a music break and uh, you have chosen Wairua by Maimoa. Why have you chosen that song? Um, I really love the language of te reo Māori uh, and I think it connects us with our environment. Um, it's such a beautiful language, uh, a spiritual language and the song Wairua, it's, this is quite a joyful song and it's a song that helps me um, just kind of breathe and relax and loosen up and get back into that um, you know letting your spirit run fly and it's a yeah it's a good grounding joyful song for me great let's uh, have some joyful grounding here is Wairua by Maimoa <laughs>
Welcome back to Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. We are grateful to our sponsors, Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center. And I'm here today with artist Rosemary Patterson, who lives in Wakura. And uh, we are talking about her sculptures and uh, her film as well. I have to ask you a bit more about that because this sounded really interesting. So you've freelanced in the film industry in a variety of roles, including production design and art direction, but also props, sculpture and on-set standby. So have we seen your work in any TV series and movies? (laughs) Um, Potentially. uh, I worked on um, a film called Good for Nothing, which was a independent film, um, and it, it it was a western. Oh, really? It's a western, um, <laughs> and that was such a fun time. Um, that was in oh, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, maybe. Um, and yeah, so it was an independent film that was privately funded, and it did get airtime in the cinemas for a while. Um, what did you get to do? Uh, well, it was me and another woman called Zoe Wilson, and we were the art department. Oh, we, you were the art department. We were the art department. We did everything. Um, we were designing sets, building sets. We built a large... Um, well, we were filming in central Otago, and so we had to um, recreate a cavern that... that red kind of clay landscape of central Otago we recreated in the studio. We built a large, um, yeah, I don't know how to describe, like a like a tunnel kind of thing in this landscape um, where they had a gunfight. And, um, yeah, that was challenging because we were building it out of polystyrene and paint and cement and you know greenery and getting that all looking like natural. like nat- yeah natural <laughs> um and yeah so we were on location doing on set standby and all the making all the props for that and um yeah just everything it was such a good learning experience oh. to learn everything that's needed um for creating Mm. the art department on a film. And uh, did you have um, the creative freedom or were you told and directed uh, what to do? Or did you have quite a lot of creative freedom to kind of uh, interpret the concept in your own way? Um, I mean, we were following the script and the things that were required in the script. Um, And... Also, because it was a that genre, Western genre, we had to fit in with that. So there was a certain amount of freedom, but um, yeah, certainly um, following those constraints of genre um, was important. Mm-hmm. And then since then, uh, after that, I worked on some independent short films and um, a TV series in Wellington, and I worked a a tiny bit on The Hobbit and... Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a fun experience as well. 
So how do you get those kinds of jobs? Do people know where to find you or if there's anyone out there listening who said, oh, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to have your contacts in the Weta studio or do you actually go somewhere and find out what's needed? Well, the industry is a little bit about who you know, yes. <laughs> not what you know. <laughs> so it can be quite hard to get into, yeah. Um, I was never associated with Weter and Weta at all. Um, yeah, uh, the, the original film that I got on, because it was an independent film, um, they, you know, I was didn't know anything, I was new, um, and that was advertised through The Big Idea, Mm. And so it's just getting your foot in the door and then making those contacts. Oh, absolutely. And from that is when it was how I found these other jobs from the people that I met on that first mm. first job. It's so important that we as creatives can actually meet up and connect. Mm. And yeah, that first foot in the door, um, it's all important. And then to try yeah. to keep uh, on top of things too, keep in touch and keep yes. looking and yes. putting yourself out there which you seem to have done amazingly. <laughs> well, I think for if you want to be in the film industry, being in places like Wellington and Auckland is where you need to be. There's, from what I can tell, there's not much of that happening around Taranaki. No, um. <laughs> not, not at the moment. Mm. Yeah, okay, we will take another break. And um, this is um, Light of the World by Lauren Daigle.
Welcome back to Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. We are grateful to our sponsors, Covet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center, and I'm Michaela Nyman. I'm your host. I'm here today with artist Rosemary Peterson from Oakura, or she lives in Oakura, I would say. And we will, among other things, um, talk about her latest colorful sculptures that featured in the Art in the City 2022 in Tamaki Makoro, Auckland. And this is... Uh, quite joyful. Um, yeah, let's talk about your latest exhibition because um, it seemed like Auckland has had this uh, heart uh, of the city celebration where they want to bring more people into the city, especially now after COVID. And you have featured in the art in the city changing lanes this year with some of your work. You mentioned cathedrals before, and when I saw these uh, very colorful, bright windows, uh, they actually had some cathedral feeling to me, but they are about uh, hope, joy, and love. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about your work? Yeah, I was really, um, I felt really honored that I was commissioned by the Auckland City Council to produce these works. Yeah, they're wanting to draw people back into the, into the city and, um, after COVID and of course after winter coming into spring so the brief was about um, providing that that idea of hope and rejuvenation and renewal as we hopefully come from a that difficult place into a new space uh, and yeah the the council have done a great job of putting on a big event that are heart of the city not just the changing lanes but a whole lot of art walks and trails and pop-up exhibitions mm, over a hundred events over a hundred yeah a yeah, installations and mm. so yeah they're really wanting to draw people back into the city up there so yeah and I feel really honored to have have my work uh, love hope and joy up there those um, works their their cathedral windows that and eat, there's three of them, and each of them encapsulate those con- one of those concepts: love, hope, and joy, using um, sacred geometry motifs and springtime motifs, and of course architectural motifs uh, to to engage those concepts. And um, yeah, the colour they're bright, they're fun, they kind of pop out down that, that alleyway where they're situated on High Street. They they pop out and give that little bit of colour into the mm. concrete space of Auckland City. They hung from the walls uh, and they look like they hung above your head, yes, they like h- banners sticking out. Yeah. Yes, they're, um, they're hung, I think they're uh, heritage building posts. Oh, really? They're about six metres high, those ones, and yeah, they're... Those windows they hang down, and you can walk under them. And um, do they glow in the dark? They don't glow. In the they dark. almost look like they could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just, I think windows are—they're a symbol of that threshold. That once again, that being inside something and looking out, they're—they're they're a symbol of hope and um, crossing of space. Um, that's a. Art, art, historically an art convention that's been used in paintings, the window and um, mm. the symbolism of mm. that. And so I thought that was a really great motif to use mm. in this sculptural work. 
Yeah, and of course in other cultures there are other ways of looking through other kinds of windows between the spiritual and the um, mm -hmm. real world as well. So your artwork is still hanging there, I understand, until uh, when? Uh, they'll be up until just the beginning of December. Oh really? So if anyone is going up to Auckland between now and December, they can find your artwork... It's high on Little High Street. Little, little High Street. Yeah, off High Street there's a little laneway um, that yeah, they're hanging there. And there are other works in the Changing Lanes uh, series as well, other artists. Yes, there's five sculptural installations and there's also a in the Freiburg Place area there's some stairs that have been um, painted, beautified. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely, Pacifica motifs. And That's right, mm. yeah. So there is a spiritual element to your practice and um, is this the reason you have taken up learning both Tereo and Hebrew as well? Um, yeah, well, I grew up in the faith tradition, the Christian faith tradition, um, and I found it s limiting in a sense in terms of my spirituality. And it was wasn't until I we put our children into full time immersion. Um, Kopapa Māori education and w once I started learning the language and engaging in te ao Māori and the cultural aspects of how they relate to wairua to their spirit I was just like I was, yeah it took my spirituality to a level that I hadn't previously known and it, I, my perspective of that changed significantly and yeah, I also have been learning the Hebrew language and I've found that the Hebraic concepts are around creation and around relationship to divine being is very similar to Te Ao Māori. And yeah, that just for myself personally has uh, made the way that I re relate to the unseen world around me so much, have so much more depth and... Um, and it's informed my work. Mm, I was just wondering, so in which way has it informed your art practice then? Um, and your art? Yeah, I guess it, it's definitely helped me take my work out of my mind, out of my thought and thinking, and very, I have a very logical way of processing things. Um, it's helped me become more grounded and uh, intuitive. I guess so my um, particularly the the new painting work that I've been doing in the last couple of years that since since COVID and just kind of being stuck in that space um, I've been experimenting with painting techniques pouring and working intuitively uh, and yeah really engaging in that unseen world and trying to um, pull out that thing that I see in the unseen world and make it uh, into the seen world to help bring a manifestation of that. Interesting. Um, and, yeah, I guess, yeah, te reo, Māori and the Hebrew language are very poetic languages and um, there's so much depth to them. And mm. I try and draw on those concepts that I have not found in English mm. um, or in the Western tradition of spirituality. And... I just, 
I feel that it makes myself much richer as a person and I feel like it uh, informed my artwork so much more mm. greatly. Oh, fascinating. I can imagine that um, there is a bit of a tension between um, then the logical person that you say you are and you have also, um, you know, a lot of uh, construction in your <laughs> kete. You have done so much that has to... Uh, do with preciseness and kind of figuring it all out and planning it beforehand. So how does that come up against all this intuitive and pulling things from the unseen? And it must be some a real new experience for you too. Yes, it's definitely, there's a tension there, absolutely. A lot of my uh, sculptural work is very mathematical, Yes, um, which I love. I love that uh, logic of numbers and the maths of it. Um, and then, but then on the other hand, a lot of creation is mathematical. So you've got our sacred geometry, mm. and a, a lot of the natural environment has that mathematical aspect to it. So, yeah, there's that tension between the intuition of creation and the, the mathematical, logical, as, rational aspects of it. Um, and I guess. I love that tension as well. A lot of my work holds that tension, the duality of things. So you can't have one without the other. You can't have light without darkness. They inform each other. So you do need that tension as well. And that those concepts are all um, contained within Te Ao Māori and within the Hebrew Hebraic way of thinking as well. Mm. Yeah, fun, fascinating. How do you work out your compositions then? Which which part of your brain takes over? <laughs> the mathematical, logical, or are you going with intuition at the moment? Um, I try and begin with intuition. I try and begin with um, contemplation and meditation. And uh, yeah, this might sound crazy, but uh, a way of seeing things that are in the unseen world. Uh, so I, you know, quiet myself and still my mind and um, a lot of breath work and, yeah, just engaging in that creative process with my creator and allowing sight and trying to see that. And then when it comes to the outworking of that in a physical way, that's when my kind of rational mind will be like okay how am I going to build this what are the angles what are the numbers what are you know mm. how do I do this sacred geometry that I've just seen or mm. um, isn't that fabulous to have both sides to draw on like that mm. okay let's um, still and uh, and enlighten and uh, make our minds jump a bit with the ehoa by La- how do you say the last name Fofo. Ja 
Welcome back to Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. We are grateful to our sponsors, Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Life Center for sponsoring the show. And I'm here today with artist Rosemary Peterson, who lives in Wakura. And uh, we talk about a lot of things, uh, spirituality and sculptures and film and uh, intuition in art, as well as uh, sacred geometry and uh, mathematical precision. You have also recently been involved in a very joyful uh, community uh, project, which is about a mural for a school. 
Yes, I've been really fortunate to um, collaborate with Haldor Hond. Um, we've been working at the Kurakaupapa here in Tara in New Plymouth in Ngamotu. Uh, te pa'ipa i ngā kākano mai i rangiatia, te Kurakaupapa Māori, kei konei. Yeah, we've been collaborating with all the students there at the Kura from year 1 to year 13. And they've got their 30th birthday celebrations coming up next wow. month. And so this mural is a part of those that, that celebration. And um, yeah, a lot of people in the community, what we're finding is that they actually don't know that the kura is there in Spotswood. Mm. It's there at Rangiatia, in between Spotswood College and Spotswood Primary. Um, tucked away it a is, bit. Mm. It is tucked away a bit. Um, and so it can be, it's interesting for the students when... Um, other tamariki around the community ask, oh, what school do you go to? And they say, oh, we go to Rangiati, and people don't know where it is. And so one of the hopes for this mural is that it will be a big statement piece right along the front of the there on the main road. Um, and, yeah, it's about... It's a 35-metre mural. Oh, fabulous. And, <laughs> yeah, it just contains... You know the corridor of the school identity, the tuakiri tanga of the of the kura, and it's bright, it's colourful, and it will be revealed uh, at the end of next month. And yeah, we re- we're really looking forward to that. It's been such a fun project to to collaborate on. So, how many hands have painted that mural? Uh, over a hundred wow. tamariki have been involved in this project. And uh, will it be a public uh, opening or a revealing or a unveiling? I don't even know what you call it when you um, yeah, show the mural to the world. <laughs> um, there'll, be, there'll be an unveiling that happens being on the main road. <laughs> there will be a public event. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need to close off the road if you have lots of people coming. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure what that um, that the kura will go down and will bless the painting and um, yeah, it'll it'll be a memorable time. Mm. And probably in November, you're saying? Yes, the last couple of weeks of November is when they're having their birthday celebration, so... Mm. Oh, we will keep an eye out for that, and I hope we can um, show a small glimpse of uh, the mural uh, on our Facebook page. But uh, yeah, go and see what the Kura, how they are celebrating their 30th birthday uh, this year with this fabulous mural, which is 35 meters long, and hundreds of tamariki have helped uh, paint it, or a hundred. So you are very much a visual storyteller, by the sounds of it in very many ways do you do abstract as well as uh, you know it sounds like you you are doing abstract art when it comes to the geometry and patterns and stuff but at the same time there's a story connected to all the things you do yeah a lot of my um, paint pouring work is abstract um, and I try and draw in some figurative elements into that as well um, but it's, yeah, I'm working with colour a lot and the symbolism of each of those colours and, um, yeah, once again, working with opposites and 
So one of the things I've really been trying to experiment with is how to create fire and water um, and the you know the duality that goes with that their kind of fire and water are complete opposites against each other but also within themselves so you know water is very soft and healing but it's also ragey and chaotic and you know that can cause death and fire is the same fire can be soft and uh, ambient and warm but it can also be you know chaotic and ragey as well Um, and so that's one of the things I've really been trying to visually represent in my painting works Um, and of course as I'm working and as I'm pulling out those concepts I'm constantly within myself thinking how do these these elements and the duality of them work together and how do they work in myself and That sounds fascinating. So this is your latest work that you are doing now that people can then uh, view uh, during the arts train? Yes, I have um, some painting work that will be hanging in my studio for the arts trail. And we also, the Orkara Arts Trail, have their exhibition um, at Orkurukuru uh, restaurant. Um, so that will there'll be some paintings of mine down there as well. So when will the exhibition opening at Okurukuru be? Uh, I believe that's on the 28th of October. And then um, you are going to be open on uh, Saturday the 29th and Sunday the 30th? Yes, and then also the 5th and 6th of November. And 5th and 6th. And where can people find you physically then? Where is your studio? My studio is at 22 Dixon Street in Oakura. Um and they they people can also find the trail map on our website oakuraarts.co.nz um, or there'll be trail map brochures around blue blue ones, yes. Yes. And other than that people can find my work on Instagram, uh, Rosemary Peterson Art and on Facebook and my website, which is wildrosedesign.co.nz. Fabulous. Let's go and have a look. And uh, I might say your last name is uh, spelt with two E's, so it's not Patterson, P-A, it's P-E. It's, yes, Patterson. two E's and yeah. two T's, P-E-T-T. Very Scandinavian. P-E-R. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, listen to... Um, Another one of uh, my moas. This is uh, fire. Bye. 
Welcome back to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. We are grateful to our sponsors, Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center. I'm here today with artist Rosemary Peterson, who lives in Oakura and uh, who is um, going to show her work now in the upcoming Oakura Arts Trail. Yes, we have been talking about so many things that you do and uh, where to next? It seems like you are doing so many things and you're also experimenting and trying to extend and expand your arts practice. Uh, is it the pouring of paint at the moment that uh, is really interesting you and f- trying to find more intuitive ways of working? But where to next? <laughs> That's a very good question. I constantly have so many goals and so many things I want to explore. Um, yeah, I will be continuing to make some sculptural pieces and continuing to do some of those painting pieces. Um, yeah, like I said before, I get I get quite bored just working on one kind of thing and so and it, it is that that conceptual element that really does drive my work. So uh, depending on which media will best uh, represent that thing that I'm currently thinking about and working through, that will be the medium that I use to engage those concepts. So was sculpture your first love? Yes, um, I trained as a sculptor and I love working with my hands, I love building stuff. Um, I was fortunate that my Dad was very DIY and he taught me a lot of those construction techniques Um, and yeah just being practical and problem solving and just Mm. figuring out how you can uh, create what you want to create. It always fascinates uh, me with um, like when I heard about Len Lai's work the first time that he actually didn't construct very many things but he worked with engineers who knew the Mm. practical side and there's just so much practical work that goes into making a piece of art and also one that lasts Mm. Um, if someone has ever bought a piece of art that falls apart Mm. yeah that's uh, not great I just talked to Matt Sturgis about guitars he's showing some guitars here and and how um, a friend of him his bought a guitar that was so badly strung and and didn't really hang together so the mechanism how you construct it uh, go go dad <laughs> yes yes and I hope to that my hope would be to do some more public sculptures some more large-scale sculptures you know installations that you can walk through and engage in um, that would be that is my that's the thing that I would really love to go down mm. um, Oh, let's hope that happens. How how do you go about then um, getting those kinds of commissions? You have to put yourself out there and, and try to find... Um, I mean, sometimes there are competitions, like the one at Junction Road. Um, but, yeah. yeah. A lot of the time, um, various councils will put out a um, call for submissions. Have you been in the Pukakura Garden at all, at the Festival of Lights? I haven't, but I have been keeping an eye out on on that. And of course, uh, I have to be very selective with what I do work on because uh, being a mother of three children as well, it's my time is limited. And um, 
I, however, I'm very fortunate that I have a home studio that I can work from and the flexibility of hours to make all of that family life work and also be working on my artistic career as well. Yes, absolutely. And you are doing it wonderfully. So let's hope we can uh, see more of your work. But for now, you can go online and check out wildrosedesign.co.nz uh, wild and yes. also on Instagram, Rosemary Pedersen Art. And uh, why not pop uh, out to Okura and um, see what uh, is happening in the studio? What happens uh, after the art trail? Uh, is your studio ever open? For visitors? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to have people come by appointment, absolutely. Fabulous. Well, all the best with your fantastic work and we look forward to the mural as well at mm. the Kura being revealed in November. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Naiman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Centre. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.